We got jails, we got riots, we got fights, all in the early history of the church. Find out more on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode on Inverse. We are in the midst of the book of Acts. So if you're out there and you don't have your Bibles, get it out and get it on your phone or get it on your screen or somehow. And we're on the, in the middle of 15, 16, 17, we're in the teens somewhere. We're going to have a word of prayer. And I don't know about you, but this passage has so much going on. There are riots, there's conflict, there's fighting going on. And, mm-hmm. and when I think of the early church, I just think of stained glass and, and these big cathedrals and, and oh, music. But there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on here. Amen. And uh, it, it's, there's a lot of hope because a lot, a lot of our contemporary modern churches are more like this than, than the medieval church. So Amen. let's have a word of prayer. And Jerry, can you pray for us? Yeah. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, and we pray that as we study it, that your spirit would enlighten us, give us wisdom, and help us to understand how we can better relate to each other as we look to the history of how you've led your church. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's go to Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. And Israel, can you read that passage for us? Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Okay. Hey, Brax, can you set us up here? What's going on in, these, in, this, in this narrative? So essentially, Paul and Barnabas, they have a, a sharp disagreement. They separate. Paul ends up with uh, a disciple, apostle named Silas. They end up going, um, trying to go different places. The Holy Spirit says, no, not here. They say, what about here? No, not there. He gets a vision. Eventually, they go into Macedonia. They have several different missionary experiences along the way. Um, Corinth is obviously where we end. And after all these different ups and downs and crazy experiences of sensing God leading them, he comes to this point where God is almost comforting Paul in the midst of this tribulation to say, listen, don't be afraid. Keep preaching. Do not be silent. Why? Because no one's going to hurt you in the city, and I have many people here. Mm -hmm. So it was almost an encouragement of his mission, but also God comforting him like I always say, like a father comforting his son. To say, man, you know, my son is like a little bit nervous. I'm like, Papa, I don't know about this. And you're kind of like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what God is doing for Paul. It's like, listen, son, you're doing my work. I have, you're going to be successful. I have people in this city. Well, let's get to that that apex of that story. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, we're going to get to that point in the second. This is the second missionary journey. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, What's your name? Jared. (laughs) Chapter chapter 15, verse 36. 36 to 41. I just met you yesterday. Um, 36 to 41. And can you read that for us? (laughs) Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. All right, this is a very interesting uh, narrative snippet, vignette in the midst of this journey here. Mm-hmm. There's this one phrase there. It says a sharp contention. The contention became so sharp 
that they departed from mother. Is this license, just because it's mentioned in the Bible, what's going on here, Israel? I mean, the Bible doesn't seem to be taking sides with, mm. from my perspective. And say, oh, you know, Paul, the contention was great or the contention was necessary mm-hmm. or contention is good. It just simply states it that happened. there was, con- yeah, that it happened. Or you're right and wrong. Yeah. And I think what, what has happened in this situation is you have Paul, Barnabas, they have two very different philosophical approaches to ministry. Paul, what I get from this passage is he wants someone he can depend on. He wants someone that is acquainted with the work. He wants someone that understands him. You know, I kind of get the picture of the military. You know, you're going into this place. You don't want to think twice about whether the person's got your back That's or not. right. That's and right. And so Paul, and, and when, you look at the, when, you look at, when you look at Paul's experience that we're going to look at, you can see why, right? I mean, this guy goes through some crazy stuff. <laughs> That's and right. And so he doesn't, want, he doesn't want anyone that he cannot trust. Mm-hmm. Barnabas has a different approach. I think it doesn't mean that Paul's is better than Barnabas, but Barnabas... He's like, hey, you know, we got to be nurturing. We got to bring people on. We have to train them. We have to mentor. There's a cost to mentorship. And sometimes people are going to fail. And if we don't allow them to fail, then we've, you know, we've failed them, right? Mm. And so you have these two different <laughs> approaches to ministry. Not, one is not better than the other, but they're two very different, different approaches. And this caused a separation. I like what you say. If we don't allow them to fail, we, we fail them. That mm. Failure is a very good lesson. It's an important in, part of life. To lead to success. Ministry, yeah. Sounds like you're taking Barnabas' side. Yeah, no, you seem like a Barnabarian here. Actually, I think it was a Paul. Uh, um, no, I don't know. In my imagination, that. I would just see like Barnabas, just just the older guy, grayer hair, just a really big beard, maybe down to here. I don't know why I think of that. <laughs> He's just a warm guy, just always hugging each other, encouraging, and put him on the son of consolation. <laughs> maybe he's got to see. Hey, put, him we'll, on, put him on yeah. the screen. Hey, put him on the screen. We got, and we got Barnabas right here to the left. Yo, and then yeah. we got like Paul on the other side, who is like, I mean, he's like the scholar guy, and he's like memorized stuff, and he's he's going to go with tit for tat, and he's persecuted, killed people, organized, and campaign guy, and and if you're late 20 minutes, and if you're not there, and if you're late an hour, I'm just going to, and he's mm-hmm. going to get you. Yeah. And like, I really like what you said, and, and, and Sebastian, you've had military experience. Yes. I mean, you resonated with that comment. That Absolutely. If you're going, and just, you know, the dumb imagination that I have, if you're going in with your your, your, mm-hmm. your, your arms, and you don't yes. want to be second-guessing what's happening behind you. Actually, not only do you not want to be second-guessing, in the Marine Corps, it's considered um, a version of treason. You can be shot on sight, right? If you are supposed to be patrolling, or you're supposed to be covering another man, and you're like, y'all, let me check. I'm reading these letters from my girlfriend. Like, they will shoot you <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> it's right. like, bro, you're not sounds covering like us. Personal, uh, yes. experience. No, it's no, hey, no, but, literally, yeah. like, I had a story when we were first training, and we have, after boot camp, you go through something called combat training, and in that, you practice these exercises where you have to stay up for 36 hours straight. And um, basically, this guy was supposed to be patrolling, fell asleep, leaning on a tree, and he woke up with a gun in his face by our sergeant. And he said, you know, if this was a battle situation, you would have never woke up Mm. because you compromised everybody because you weren't covering what you're supposed to be covering. Everyone else thinks they can sleep because you're patrolling, Mm. you know. And so they take that, you know, to me very seriously. And so I definitely resonate with the Pauline Aspect to say, like, look, man, like, if we're going to be going through what we're about to go through, and Paul knows what's waiting for him. Yeah. So, so I guess you took a deep breath here. So, who's right? Yeah. No. Who's right? 
I mean, I yeah. thought of this as a personality difference, but what I'm cutting away is that these are two, said two different there, approaches yeah. to ministry. Yeah, Jared, what, what, and they're, what do you And they're think? both deeply convinced, yes. and I would say on some level, they're both right. Yes. Yeah. Conscientious yeah. concerns. So when you have two individuals, leaders in the church, conscientious disagreements where, you know, they're just trying to be faithful, right, yes. in extending grace and taking an experienced worker, allowing him to grow, yeah. or saying, listen, we, we're, we're, we're putting ourselves at risk here, and it's just mm-hmm. too much. Where do you go with that? They, they had to, as mature Christian brothers, to say, we're not going to resolve this, and we have to part ways. And in mm-hmm. doing that, God blessed, because they wound up picking up Timothy shortly after that. Well, you have two different teams going out, and now Timothy is being trained. Mm-hmm. Let's actually go to that passage, chapter 16, verse 1. And Sebastian, can you read that for us? 1 through 5. Sure. It says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number They just daily. picked up Timothy and they just finished the Jerusalem Council, which had established that circumcision is not necessary. <laughs> and then Paul says, hey, by the way, you have to get circumcised. What's going on there, Israel? <sighs> It looks like it looks like Sebastian is struggling. Sebastian's having an experience here. You know, you got most you emotion I've seen off, you in the you entire season. Something off your chest, for bro. sure, man. Like I, I think, to me, this is just. I'm, and maybe there is a, a good reason for it. Um, I'm sure in the text, but personally, my emotional reaction to this situation is like, Paul, you just came off of a council where they said, "Don't make any of these people do it." So wherever you go, travel, tell them they don't have to do that. Right? Just. Don't eat meat offered to idols and, you know, abstain from fornication. Yes. So it's like, yeah, just follow that. And then you go and find someone. I like, this guy's got potential. Hey, man, I'm going to have to circumcise you. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, yeah. to me, it's like, bro, it's almost semi-hypocritical where you represented the opposite position of this. Paul's is bro. Paul's is bro. All, the, right. Um, All right. So uh, accusation that, that Sebastian but, says, Paul is a hypocrite. Yeah. Israel, respond but to that. It's To me, to add a little bit, um, I, I rarely agree with Sebastian, but... <laughs> <laughs> But no, what's funny, what's funny is that Paul in Acts chapter 15, Paul's one of the people that is specifically given the task to tell people to, and to deliver the letter that you yeah. don't need to do right. this, uh, this thing. And now he's like, hey, we can't. So why? Why? Let's answer why. Why does he do that? To well, Timothy? for sure. one reason, answer. Timothy was, his mother was a Jew, mm-hmm. right? Everybody knows this. Mm-hmm. He's going to be perceived uh, or as Jewish or even being held to a higher standard than everyone else. It's not like the gospel's going out in these far beyond places and challenging people who've never heard this message before. He is a person of faith who has this complex background. And Paul says, you know, it's going to be better because they're going to look at you differently, number one. Number two, Paul sees this young man and he sees leadership potential. And we have the, the paper trail of Paul and his encouragement of Timothy in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So seeing that and seeing he's going to come into these interesting situations and being held to that higher standard, Paul says in his wisdom, 
it's going to be better for us to do this because it's going to have uh, um, re remove is, some of these other restrictions in your ministry. Which is kind of funny because here he is dropping Mark because he feels like he can't take the heat. And now he's like, Timothy, before the heat comes, let's deal with this to make sure we reduce how much heat you're going to take. Well, he took, he took some heat. For sure. Yeah. But it seems like here that uh, more than, 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 than blame or, or being strategic, there's, there's also the, 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 the factor that he's trying to just really appeal to the weaker brother here. Mm. You know, I mean, there still yeah. people are very sensitive with the issue of circumcision. Yeah. And like, hey, we've made a decision, but just to cover our bases, hey, Timothy, why don't, we, why don't you get circumcised? Mm. Yeah. He was circumcised for the Jews, it yeah. says. We're going to look at the, um, Israel. How, what's, what's, uh, what's Timothy's uh, perspective from this? We'll come well, after the break. Uh, prepare your answer for that. We'll see you after on the other side and see Timothy, who's the victim in all this, what, what, uh, how he submitted himself to this process. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I know everyone was waiting for this, you know, this, this process that we've been talking about. And Israel said in the break, it's not a process. This is a, a surgery, a, a, a <laughs> yeah. surgical it's a, procedure. It's a removal. Um, Timothy is the silent person in all this. Uh, give Timothy's perspective. Yeah, it, the fact that Timothy is the silent person, the guy with no voice, to me gives a perspective of an injustice that Timothy suffers. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not some, it, this is something that Timothy has done to him. It's not something that Timothy gets done for himself, right? And so <clears throat> there's an element of injustice that, that to me surfaces in this situation. Mm. And what, what strikes me is that there's a high cost to leadership. And that cost to leadership is the surrendering of your rights, the suffering for the sake of others, even at your own expense. Like uh, when we, we were riding in uh, Jared's uh, little Subaru the other day, and he, he popped in some MLK, Martin Luther King. And as we listen to Martin Luther King give different uh, speeches and sermons, you just can't help. I mean, he is... In my mind, he's like the best speaker of all time. Just the mastery that he had mm. over language and over the ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. It's just profound. It's like, man, show me someone better. He can just, he can grip the heart in such an easy and effortless way. And you think, yeah. man, how, how, how does someone do that? How can, he, how can he get to the point where he's expressing stuff in that way? And it dawned on me, and I was talking with Sebastian afterwards about it, and it was like, his ability to communicate and to express and to lead and to move people's hearts was deeply rooted in the experience of his suffering. Mm -hmm. And so suffering is something that is necessary, is something that is necessary in order to, to lead, right? Yeah. It is the cost of leadership to suffer injustice for the sake of Christ. It, and, and this is what's going to be apparent in chapters that follow as Paul has to surrender himself. In you're, so you're saying this gift that the that, that King had, his eloquence, was stemmed in his suffering. I mean, what, what, what you're saying yeah. from what your comments are from from uh, from Barnabas's passage to now Timothy's passage, we got to learn to fail. We got to learn to suffer. 
Yeah. I mean, these are not things that the average millennial, the average young adult wants to hear. Yeah. Like, we want a cush life. We want success now. We want to retire by <laughs> age 32. As a millionaire. Yeah. We, want, we want that now. We, yeah. Our lives, our objective is to avoid suffering and avoid failure. Right. Mm. But for these guys, I think their suffering was their street cred mm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, it's evidence, and it's evidence of true Christianity. Mm. Because more than the suffering, more than the failure, there is a surrender as a servant literally surrenders to their master. True. And, you know, when you work for God, this is not, you're not, you're not working for, this is not work. This is slave labor, right? God requires the whole surrender. That's how it's described. It's and so, yeah. and, and God's going to test that. Yeah. You know, the evidence of, of this is found in 16, 17, 18. God is going to test, are you really a servant, yes or no? Because if you are... Or if you, I should say, if you are not, you're not going to endure the journey. Like, I'm going to take you through this crazy stuff. I'm going to make you do things that you do not want to do. Could it kind of be that's where Mark was? And then he, he flaked. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. then I'm, I'm more of the Pauline side. Or like, Lou, you're a flaker. <laughs> yeah. You're going to flake forever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which is funny because Paul was somewhat a result of Barnabas's uh, ministry. Uh, ministry. ministry. That's true. You know? And so... You know, without Barnabas, you don't have Paul. So, That's true. arguably yeah. speaking. That's true. That's true. Let's move forward with the narrative. Let's go to chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. And Sebastian, can you read that for us? The Macedonian yes. uh, call. When, now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Thanks, Sebastian. Um, Jared, what's going on in this passage? I think it's important to note that Luke is writing this after the fact. Okay. I mean, Paul is not necessarily drawing a conclusion in the moment that, you know, the Spirit's not letting us go here, and the mm. Spirit's not letting us go here. I think reflecting after the fact, they're saying, God didn't allow us to do this at this moment and this at this other moment when they're trying to press and they're just trying to fulfill the gospel commission. Mm -hmm. But they were, there were barriers there that later mm -hmm. they had to deduce. And looking back, they said, you know, God didn't let us do this. And he didn't let us do this. But then remember that vision that we had and we acted on that. And mm -hmm. they had to come to that, um, that conclusion in, in, in verse 10, where it said, after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called mm -hmm. us to preach. So this they after acted. The fact. In faith, yeah. yep, in good faith, based on some of the circumstances. And then God starts to bless their labors as they start to connect to these different people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's critical Especially. to think that the Spirit would not want you to preach the gospel in certain places. Right? I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm doing what you call me to do. I'm trying to go to the Gentiles. Oh, man, we should go to Asia, man. We should go to Asia. And the Spirit's like, no. Not only did it say no, the text says forbidden. Like, you are forbidden to go here. Then it's like, oh, he won't permit us to do that. Then it's like, oh, let me give you a vision. So it's like he seems very direct and clear in the first two examples. Mm -hmm. And in the third one, it's like, here's a vision. He doesn't say, oh, the spirit is talking to us to go to Macedonia. It says some man appeared in my vision is like, come to Macedonia, help us. Oh, we concluded. Mm -hmm. So that means there was some thought. There was some reflection. There was kind of some, you know, deducing of saying, man, you know, 
I think the Lord is calling us to go to Macedonia to mm -hmm. preach the gospel. So there's a certain element of Paul and Silas removing by faith yeah. into this new field. And what was the fruit? So they're denied entry into Asia. What is the fruit of, of Philippi? What, what happens there? Well, the next story, right, um, and I know Jared loves this story, is going into Lydia, and they coming, they're coming to yeah, let's, um, let's read Philippi. It. Uh, Israel, can you read 11 through 15 there? Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is in the foremost city of, the, of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to a woman who, who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. All right, Jared, what's going on there in that passage? What is the fruit? And is the Holy so they, Spirit they, the they go out. They're hanging out by the riverside. Yep. They connect with this woman. Mm -hmm. She's a seller of purple. This is a very costly dye, expensive garment. So she's probably independently wealthy, a woman who heard them praying and drew near to them and was their first convert there. She was baptized. So, so she's upper class here. She's not some off the street, you know, selling hot dogs or whatnot. I mean, she is kind of a Georgia. Armani. For sure. Purple is a expensive color, expensive dye, maybe mm -hmm. royalty, aristocracy is, 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 is wearing this stuff. So you're seeing the gospel penetrating through mm -hmm. some of these different socioeconomic barriers and starting to spread into mm -hmm. different areas. And, and what, what an encouragement for Paul and Silas to be like, hey, we're concluding that the Lord is leading us to go here. And then we go there and they're like, oh, there's a place where people customarily meet for prayer by this river. We're going to go there and we meet this influential woman who the Bible says, right, when you go back to the text in verse 14, it says, and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, that goes to say, here you are going out to Macedonia to help them, right, feeling God wants, to wants you to preach the gospel there, and yet God is working. So it's as if God is kind of bringing these two magnets together, like Lydia clearly had a, a spot in her heart that God was working on, and Paul, had he gone a different direction, oh, we want to go to Asia, how many sellers of purple are you missing? Right? Yeah. How many Lydia's are you missing? Because you're like, well, I want to go this direction rather than allowing the spirit to lead. Yeah. Let's push a little forward and go through the narrative here. They're in Philippi and then they get into a little <laughs> bit of trouble. Crazy and story. And they get into the slammer. And now in verse mm -hmm. 25, now they're in jail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's pick up from verse 25. And Jared, can you read from verse 25 onwards to whenever you want to stop like reading? But, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I mean, we can stop there and talk about that first a lot. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's continue with the, the passage. Well, the, you're talking there. about the early Christian church singing, and ah, this is it right here. It was, it's there. <laughs> right? Right? It's biblical. Okay. You're no stained glass, though. Verse 26, this is jail. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's chains were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, waking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. 
and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In climax in verse 31, so they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And Amen. that day, there's a huge harvest from this. From, I mean, so their trip to Philippi was fruitful. Yes. yes. It was fruitful, but it was fruitful at an expense. Mm. You know what I mean? It, you know, and, and a lot of times we want to romanticize this situation of Paul in prison. It was, it was a bitter experience. Paul had to pay a lot. He had to suffer a lot in order to help save this uh, Philippian soldier. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to what Sebastian just kind of very briefly stated. Paul and Silas have surrendered themselves as slaves to the will of God. And they've done this through faith. And so they're, they're following the plan that God has laid out for them that is not clearly expressed to Paul and Silas. And so they're kind of following, all right, do we go here? They're in search to follow what the will of God is. And what's important for us to note is that God is going to take us on a journey that is not always pleasant. Yeah, we're going to have Lydia, you know, the mm -hmm. experiences, but we're also going to have Philippian experiences with the soldiers. We're going to be in jail. And that's why it is critical for us to have this component of faith that Paul has. God needs to have 100% because he can't work with anything else. Mm. I've had this experience in my own life where um, you see Paul by the riverside having prayer, spiritual fellowship. You're out in nature, mm -hmm. under a tree, listening to the rivers go by. The blessing <laughs> the of, of connecting with Lydia and seeing, having this awesome experience. The dude is about to go to jail, right? right. I mean, yep. and, 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 and bump into this opposition here with this crazy fortune teller, which we don't, probably don't have time to talk about. But you see God blessing him and, and, and strengthening him and, and, and really putting a seal on his experience mm -hmm. because he knows he's going to go through hardship and he's mm. going to give Paul something to hang on to in his mind to yeah. say, God is leading me. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. see it now, but I believe it, right? And he's pushing forward, not knowing that there's going to be an earthquake and everything is going to open and up. And let's, let's not forget where we began our journey, right, which is... Barnabas and Paul going two separate directions and recognizing how God used those frailties and that sharp disagreement to further the work in the fruit that we're seeing. Okay, yeah. we spent some time, a lot of time in the Philippi. We're going to fast forward to here. I mean, this, in this missionary journey, he's been to many, many cities, and we can spend one episode on each of these places. Mm -hmm. But one place that I really want us to have a little layover is in chapter 17, verse 10, in Berea. Yeah, probably mm -hmm. my, one of, another vignette that I just totally love. Verse 10 there, the Bible says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by midnight to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and not also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. What is going on there? What are some, what's some juice we can get to conclude this missionary journey here? Bible's Jared? foundational. Bible's foundational. When you have the spirit of the Bereans, look at the explosion that happens at, as a result of that. Not few Greeks. You go, from, you go from people are being won, disciples are being made, believers are being added. Now, the word of God is exploding yeah. when it's, yeah. it's absorbed and, by and, individual. And now you have the inclusion of the Greeks, the inclusion of the women and men. All minorities are incorporated. This is a really awesome story. One of my favorite passages is, is Bereans. This is, a, this is a promise to each one of us that we need to take the scriptures seriously for ourselves. This is the prayer for myself, 
for each person on this panel, hopefully for you. Hopefully you all will have a road trip that is as fruitful as Paul, led by the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.